Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke. And once again, we are in a series of passages where Jesus is giving um, kind of important and final instructions. There are, are, are some passages that are somewhat dark in theme because this is approaching the end of Jesus's life as he is setting off towards the temple and the cross. So we're in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Uh, and Chris, if you would read that for us, that would be fantastic. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish, too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in uh, Siloam fell on them. Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it a special, I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I, I feel like a, a lot of these passages have images that we're uh, perhaps not familiar with. Uh, uh, the fig tree features uh, pretty centrally here. For those of us who have seen the the uh, musical Hamilton, there's this scene where George Washington is talking about uh, not pursuing a third term, that he's going to leave the presidency and set an example. And he talks about retiring and uh, uh, settling down under his own vine and fig tree. And this is actually an image that, that George Washington did did use repeatedly historically. And it's an image that's taken from the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets. It shows up in numerous places. And it's this picture of, of peace and tranquility, uh, of taking uh, uh, taking delight uh, and being uh, provided for uh, by the land, by God. Um, this image uh, also sometimes symbolizes Israel um, in their relationship with God. And you can see why it would be, because God would be the gardener and God sets up this garden with there's this fig tree and vine. And, you know, today we have uh, vending machines. We have uh, convenience stores. We have all kinds of access, too much access to sweet things. Back then, they didn't have this kind of access. They did have, you know, not necessarily sugar, but they did have honey, although honey had its own difficulties. And so the most uh, convenient, consistent source of kind of some sweet delight would be a, a vine or a fig tree, uh, grapes or figs or dates, something along those lines, these fruits that would uh, be ready at, you know, at the moment's whim that you could reach out and you could enjoy this moment of delight and sweetness. And so in this context, God is the gardener and the fig tree is Israel that is intended to bring delight for God and for uh, the world, that is going to be a blessing upon this world. Fruit in this context is always something, uh, something that uh, is born out for the benefit of others. It's not for our own self, but for the benefit of others. All right. So with that in mind, and we'll get back to that in a minute, uh, 
our passage starts off with Jesus being informed that a group of Galileans in the temple bringing their sacrifices were murdered by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. I imagine these people had informed Jesus uh, to warn him. I mean, because these are Galileans in the temple making a sacrifice. Jesus is coming from Galilee. He's a Galilean. He's heading towards Jerusalem and the temple. Uh, maybe this is a warning to him, uh, but he decides, you know, obviously he's going to continue forward. And maybe they were wondering at this point um, why Jesus was continuing forward. And, and perhaps they thought that, well, Jesus is a good person. Surely he'll be protected by God. And these Galileans who are in the temple, they must have been bad people. You know, God would only let bad things happen to bad people. So maybe this was just a judgment upon them for their particular, you know, wickedness, as they might imagine. And that would be typically how people would uh, reason out things morally back then. And, you know, honestly, sometimes today we have that same kind of simplistic reasoning. But Jesus says, no, they're, they're not different than anyone else. And he says, in fact, you too will perish if you don't repent and get your life right. And he, he says this, you know, several times here. Uh, and then Jesus tells uh, this parable of the fig tree um, where he says, uh, you know, and I get, again, I think this is talking about uh, Israel and I think it's talking about, so not just personal repentance, but kind of a national uh, repentance. Jesus says, a man plants a fig tree in his garden, came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but was always disappointed. And finally he says to his gardener, I've waited three years. This is more than enough. There hasn't been a single fig, so cut it down. It's just taking up space. There's no use to this. And if this fig tree is Israel and the owner of the garden is, is God, then it's a warning about a coming national judgment. And it's a, a serious matter. Uh, and historically, we know that um, kind of the path that Israel was on at this time was a, a path of growing violence and rebellion. There were even uh, Sikari, these assassins who would be in the marketplace and they would they would uh, have these small daggers and they would uh, knife people in the midst of a crowd. They would knife people who they saw as being sympathetic to Rome or collaborators. And this would escalate into various armed rebellions until uh, generation after Jesus, is uh, Jerusalem would be destroyed, utterly destroyed by the Romans. And so Jesus seems to be warning them that the time is very short. Judgment is coming upon you if you don't repent of your ways. And I, I think, uh, you know, one way that we can look at this is like, who is this gardener who begs for extra time? And I think probably the most natural reading of this is that this is uh, Jesus saying to God, you know, let me let me make another shot at this. Let me give it some extra care and nourishment and, and let's see if something happens um, and then if then it doesn't, then 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 we'll we'll proceed with the plan to get rid of this. And uh, and it seems like this this final warning that Jesus is providing this extra grace. But but patience is not unlimited. And so I think the question for us is like, are are we fruitful? We're not in the exact same situation, obviously, but there is a question about God bearing fruit in us. The image of fruitfulness is is a very common one in the New Testament as well. We're, we're called to bear the fruit of the spirit. And again, fruit is not something that we bear for ourselves, but rather fruit is something that God cultivates in us so that we can be a blessing to others, to provide sweetness and delight and nourishment in the lives of others. And I think that's an important question for us to be asking, uh, you know, are we bearing fruit? And, and if so, then we should be not proud of ourselves, but thankful that Jesus, the gardener, has really been cultivating us and allowing us to be fruitful, especially through the gift of the Spirit. 
And then the other side, if, if we look at our lives and, and, and maybe we aren't as fruitful as we perhaps should be, or, or maybe are not really bearing much fruit at all, that's a conversation, I think, for us to have with other trusted people, a conversation to have with God. And to remember, God's desire is to make us fruitful. But just like in this parable, it, it would be wrong to presume that God's patience is unlimited. Uh, uh, Chris, I'm wondering what you see in this passage and, and this idea of repentance and fruitfulness and fig trees and George Washington and, and all of that. <laughs> well, you covered a lot of great ground there, John. It's such a great text. And, and I do appreciate you brought up this old historical piece about George Washington. And he, he is known to have quoted that many times. Uh, and uh, one really interesting place where he he wrote it in a letter to um, to the first Hebrew church in Rhode Island. And it was a big debate about should all these be people, people be allowed to come into the country. So it was actually an issue of immigration. And they had established this new church. And there's a lot of tension around that. And George Washington personally wrote a letter to them and said, may you find uh, your own personal uh, fig tree and to, to rest under the fig tree and the vine. And he himself, like that was what Mount Vernon was for him. He wrote about that often. And uh, so I've always been curious if he, if there were like, were, were there fig trees there or vines? Like what, how did he experience that himself? Uh, so I did think it was cool that, that that shows up in the lyrics of of Hamilton. I think when you talk about patience, how do we avoid um, testing God's patience? I mean, one indication might be, I think in this case, Jesus is saying, you are the people that should know better. Uh, if you look back at Isaiah 49, one of my favorite verses, uh, books in the Bible, um, it it says, uh, it's too light a thing that you should just care for yourselves, uh, but you should be a light to all nations. And it's speaking, it says to coastlands and to the islands. It's it's really saying to all you people, uh, this is not just about the tribes of Israel. You know, this is about you being a light to all nations. So if you're not bearing fruit, if you're not being the tree to the rest of the world, you are a barren tree and God's going to come into the garden and be like, well, you should have known better and you're not bearing fruit. And so I think that's where Jesus is showing a little bit of God's impatience with, with them. Now, that being said, I consider as a believer, as a pastor, as somebody who follows Christ, um, I can hear that same warning for me as well. Like, are you bearing good fruit? Um, and the idea that Jesus would nurture this tree, that he's the gardener that's going to care for it. Um, I'm like, well, what, what does that look like? And I do think there's another expression of that in, in the word, which is, um, I think it's in John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Um, uh, apart from me, you will, you will do nothing. That's where we get real nurture. Um, and so those things could be like, what does that look like to be a, uh, abiding in Christ? Well, it's, it is reading God's word. It is meditating uh, in, on that. It's spending time in prayer. Um, it's, it's being in conversation with others who are faithful that really build you up in that abiding so that when you bear fruit, that looks really different. Uh, it looks like something that's going to be um, instructive to others and caring for others. Uh, it's that fruit that's going to be for others that's going to be really, really worth something. We're, we're for a part, you know, and we're getting nurtured by other stuff that is just more about distractions or, um, you know, we can numb ourselves with, with, with other things that just are not healthy for us. Uh, if that's our behavior, we'll, we're still going to bear fruit, but that fruit is going to be stuff that's not so great. Um, it's going to be stress and anxiety and we're going to pour that out on other people as well, which is not really, really great. 
Um, and it it truly is for others, as as you said. And I just consider, you know, what is it? What's the litmus test for that? It's like, how is my life an expression of where it provides shade for those who need it, where life can feel like a stark burning sun, you know, in the middle of a desert? And what does it look like to provide a shady place to rest? Um, or what does it look like that someone can uh, find um, the sustenance that they need uh, in the midst of like, they're very, they're just depleted and they're done. Um, what does it look like to be um, Christ's disciple that cares for those people in the midst of that need? Um, that's what I hear Jesus leading us towards and calling us to with um, some good challenge in this text. Um, but the hope and the invitation is to abide in him, which provides uh, all that we need to really follow his instruction. Well, in closing, I'll just offer along those lines uh, one kind of scary thing that you might want to do if you if you want to kind of look at the fruitfulness of your own life is, you know, find someone who's uh, who knows you well and whose spiritual maturity you trust and ask them what fruit they yeah. see in your life. and. Yeah. That, that's a pretty scary ask, but it also can be a real blessing to hear when someone may see something in you that you don't even realize that that God has been cultivating and developing in you. In any case, uh, Chris, any final thoughts and would you be willing to close this in prayer? Well, I'll just uh, one final thought in line with what you just said is uh, I my oldest daughter, Morgan, wanted an apple tree many, many years ago, and I went to the the nursery to say, hey, I'd like an apple tree for my daughter. I want to plant it in our yard. And uh, the woman informed me that you can't just buy one fruit tree, uh, that they actually have to have you know a couple of them because they need to be pollinated and they're gendered, which I didn't know um, in, in that way. And so I, had, I ended up coming home with three trees instead of just one. Um, and uh, I drive by that old house every once in a while and those trees are just thriving. But to think about that and what you're saying is it's good to have more than just one tree. And uh, so to surround yourself with other fruit bearing trees, uh, it's good to do that in fellowship of believers. So I'll pray for us. God, we give you thanks for the fellowship of believers that you have placed us in, even those who are at this time watching this video, all, all these different times we're watching it. But Lord, we are bound together in you and we are part of this community of faith together. God, help us to hear this word of challenge of uh, being a people that do bear fruit and provide shade for others. Bless this time that we have together and send us out into the world so that we can truly be a blessing to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, thank you everyone for joining us today. And I do hope that you'll be able to continue with us as we journey through Luke toward the cross. Go in peace.